Where's the gunship? everyone welcome to the first episode of the home theater forum podcast my name is brian dobbs and joining me today is home theater forum moderator and reviewer sam poston hello sam thanks a lot for uh, joining me on this adventure I-, I got the idea of doing a podcast a little while ago and I-, I sent you an email just to see if you you might be interested in joining me on this, and you were very enthusiastic about it. So, Couldn't uh, be more excited. Very, very, very <laughs> pleased that you invited me, Brian. Thanks a lot. Yeah, man. So, so Sam and I have gotten together a few times. He's been down to my place. I've I've been to his place. We went to Dolby together, and of course, we've chatted about movies uh, a ton. I know that he shares an enthusiasm about movie watching, about the home theater experience very similar to to the rest of us on the home theater forum and I, I guess that's what I really I wanted to tap into that because the home theater experience is is a unique experience yes we have the movie theaters and that's great a lot of people have their you know quote-unquote entertainment centers at home or their media room and you know we might talk a little bit about that but I think what I'd like to try to do is to produce a long-form discussion about what the home theater experience is like. And I I just, when I got the idea, I said, you know, there's there's a lot of topics I want to talk about, and it's some are really in the weeds. And there's various podcasts out there that I listen to, and I'll just make note of a couple of them here. There's one that I don't think produces any more shows, the Home Theater Geeks podcast with Scott Wilkinson. He did a great job, and I don't I don't know Scott Wilkinson, but I, I very much appreciated listening to that show. Very technical in nature, and it, it was about the products, and it was about the various aspects of, of, of putting together a home theater from a technical perspective. Another podcast I greatly appreciated listening to, which, which also doesn't produce any more shows, but... It was, it was called The Hollywood Saloon. That was another long-form discussion about movies and film and filmmaking, filmmakers and, and such. And I think what this show is going to be is something in between that. It's, it's, it's a long-form discussion. It's not your weekly release. It's not the new product of the month or anything like that. It's really about the experience of home theater. So there's going to be a little bit of more shelf life to this and hopefully replay value if, if, if we make it entertaining enough. Sam, do you have any thoughts? Sure. From my perspective, I mean, we're really in the golden age of home theater as far as I'm concerned. There is just so much great content coming our way. Actually, with the introduction of 4K UHD, we've got room for an enthusiast format today, whereas Blu-ray and DVD, you know, had that bleeding edge type thing and has gone mainstream. And eventually we'll see that with the 4K stuff today. But really, it's those of us that are just absolute nuts about film and home theater. We got a lot to talk about. I mean, there's so many different aspects of this, you know, from the technical side, from the cultural side, from the enthusiast side, from the business side. And I definitely think there's room for a podcast with a unique home theater forum member and moderator and longtime participant perspective. So I'm super excited to be part of that, Brian. Cool, man. I mean, and, and that's what I want this 
to be about. I mean, this this is really just taking the interactions that we have online through the Home Theater Forum and just making it a podcast version of that, essentially, just taking that experience that we all share online. So we can talk about these different subjects because, you know, online we are talking about movies. We are talking about our setups at home and construction of home theaters and different gear and, and such like that. And I just want to reproduce that here in the podcast. So I thought a good place to start would be favorite scenes to demo for others. I think this is something each and every single one of us has put a lot of thought into. You know, you get the theater. You finally got the home theater. You've spent all this money, you spent all this time putting it together just so, and now you want to show it off, right? You want your people to come over, be like, hey, check this out. I get a big screen, I got big sound. Come over and let me play a couple of scenes. Let's get the wow factor going. Let me turn it up and let's get this thing going. That's exactly right. I said, Sam, you know, let's put our heads together. Let, let's come up with a handful of scenes from movies that we feel as though would be good to talk about, good to discuss about scenes to demo for others. And so Sam's got his top five. I've got my top five. And we're just going to go through them and talk about each one. But before we do that, I wanted to give everybody a sense of, uh, you, you know, our home theater environment just, just very briefly. So I got a 144-inch diagonal screen here. I have a Dolby Atmos 7.1.4 with two extra subwoofers and bass shaker. So I, I really, I wanted to build the ultimate home theater and I spent years doing it. Of course, I wired for everything. So I got, I got wires in case <laughs> I have to upgrade equipment and add more speakers later. Sam, how about you? What, what kind of setup do you have at home? Sure. So my home, when I uh, specified it, they were nice enough to wire me for 5.1. And since then, I've expanded to 7.1.4 as well, Dolby Atmos. can also do DTS-X. I actually put the ceiling speakers in. I have a couple of bounce Atmos setups in my house, and i got to tell you that moving to the dedicated ceiling really sets the theater off, and I, I think that's the best part of it. I actually have everything running through a single receiver, a Denon 6000 series, I didn't want to do anything off-board, I just wanted to basically have it plug-and-play. I have mostly Paradigm speakers in my house. I'm, I'm a big Paradigm fan. I've got basically two and a half different sets of home theater speakers from Paradigm in my house now. I run everything through an Oppo 4K player, and I also run Xbox and PlayStation stuff through there. So my theater is almost exclusively dedicated for movies. I don't do a lot of video gaming down there, although it's certainly set up to do so. But I, I keep that room special and separate, and so when I want to watch a movie, I want to go someplace dedicated to that in my house, and that's what my basement is. Gotcha. Yeah, I forgot to mention, you have a 4K projector, right? That's right. I have the 2017 JVC faux 4K, and I say faux because it does throw a 4K image but it's doing it by repeating dots in that the special mirror setup that it's got. It does HDR though, right? It, it does, and certainly not as intensely as a dedicated flat panel would. I do have a 55-inch oh, sure. yeah. OLED in my office. There, there's definitely a noticeable difference between the HDR coming from a projector versus a flat panel. And I think we'll right. get there eventually. Certainly, I, I'm as happy as you can be with HDR as it is in in 2018 coming from right. a projector. 
Yeah, I'm still on HD, uh, 1080p down here in the theater. I, I'm a little bit behind <laughs> with, uh, with with video standards. I wouldn't say you're you're really behind there. At least from a projector perspective, I I, I think that it, it's really people that are pushing the limits on things. I don't, I'm not entirely certain that it's it's ready for prime time for everybody yet. Yeah, you know? but if you've got the budget to do it, it, it certainly is a very pleasing experience. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Uh, well, let's put it this way. I think I've outgrown 1080p now. Uh, I think I'm definitely ready for the UHD experience. And given given the size of my screen, it's it's also a perforated screen because I have my front sure. three speakers behind the screen, so there's a little bit of light loss anyway. And the projector I have right now, it's it's not very bright, so it's kind of a dark image. It was not that expensive. Some optimite. I don't even know what what the specs are, but. I think, and this is a topic for another show, but I myself wanted to get the sound of the room right. I think that was more important to me than the video, just getting everything off, uh, up and running. I have Golden Ear, uh, what are they, Triton 3 Plus towers, a couple of SVS cylinders. So I'm very happy with the sound. I can tell you that much right now. I agree with you. I think that the ceiling-mounted Atmos speakers you know, this goes way back to that, that Dolby demo that we did oh, in New yeah. York. You know, when they were flipping back and forth between the reflected and the and the direct. And they both gave that sense of, oh, hey, there's something above your head. But you could definitely tell uh, yeah, which was the, direct and which was reflected. Yeah, the way I explain it to people is, that, you know, with the bounce speaker, there's definitely a sense of atmosphere in your upper, you know, in your ceiling area. But if you've got real four real speakers up there, it you can point a laser pointer at where those sounds are coming from in Atmos. It makes that big a difference. So Sam, we finally got our home theater. Okay, you got you got some people. Maybe it's some friends. Maybe it's some family. You want to have them come over. There's always that. Oh my goodness, what what do I play? What is the what is the best bang for the buck here that I could play for somebody that make the biggest impression on them? You know, there's always that anxiety like, well, you know, have they seen this? Have they not seen it? Debating what to play for somebody and setting the levels all right, getting it all set up even before they even come over. What are some of the things that you think about when demoing things for other people? You're talking the heart and soul of the home theater for me because I've been actually collecting demo scenes for a long time. I actually have a stack of about 16 professionally made discs that different people across the net have put together year by year on what they consider their best demo scenes. So my favorites change from year to year for sure. And my, my list is going to be heavy on 2017 and 2018. But there's definitely different aspects of things that I like to show off. Certainly the Dolby Atmos is first there, but also to show them, you know, just what 4K is capable of. In one case, there's something that they may not even be able to see in their, in their own home theater. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, d definitely Atmos. And nowadays, I think UHD done right is something people have rarely seen. So I still, I still, I, I think that is especially true. Like when I came up to your place and you showed showed me some uh, nice UHD with HDR on your family room television. It was an animated feature. I forget what the name of it was, but that was very impressive. I, I like I had never seen anything like that before. It was either Cars or uh, Despicable Me. Mm, something like that. So remember when you came down? I had invited you down. God, it must have been uh, a year ago at this point. But when I said, hey, Sam, you should come down. We should watch something. And 
Sam came down and he just had these stacks of discs just loaded with demo scenes. And we just ended up watching demo scenes all day. And that was great because that's just like what we love doing. And you were, you were tapped in, man. You got all those demo scenes. And I got a real big kick out of those Dolby Atmos ones. Uh, and uh, thank you very much for making me copies of those because I, I actually sure. refer back to them quite frequently. Let me just say that if any of our oh, listeners sure. have access to the Dolby 2018, hook us up. That is one I do not have yet. <laughs> so anything newer than 2017 is new to me. So I'm, I'm jonesing for that. All right. So like I said, both of us have identified our top five demo scenes. Sam, why don't you kick it off here with your number five? Sure. Let me just say to start with, I was actually pretty impressed that we had our favorite five and there's no overlaps. That that was pretty cool to start with. Um, so number five. Oh, is, yeah. That was a, that was a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, pretty wild. We, we both definitely have similar tastes in movies, but in uh, what we like to show off to our friends is very different. So in, in number five, uh, I've chosen Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. And I got to tell you, it, it is definitely not my favorite movie. Uh, but it's interesting to us uh, in the home theater arena because it's one of the few high frame rate movies that's out available on 4K and HDR. The risk with the high frame rate is that it start lo- starts looking like a soap opera or something that's almost too real. Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk is actually a pretty good choice for that because of the, the wartime scenes combined with the Super Bowl type arena. And about in the middle of the movie is the, the actual long walk, as it were, which is, is kind of a flashback where he's picturing his unit at war, they're fighting the enemy, and where he gets to prove to be a hero. And so combining all that atmospherics in Atmos with the pomp and circumstance of the Super Bowl-type arena and contrasting that with the actual horrors of war, which are, is really well depicted. Ang Lee was the director, and he made some really, really interesting choices as, as far as showing off uh, just what the format's capable in that scene. So that's number five for me. You know, I want to talk about this because this, this is an excellent example for a couple of different reasons. Number one, obviously, UHD, HDR. I mean, what can you say? It's it, that that Super Bowl section with the fireworks and all the colors. It just looks amazing. Yeah, it really pops. It pops. That's a good word. I think more visually stunning, I think, is the high frame rate. And this is going to be a, a divisive topic for people. Yeah. I think, you know, for those of us who have seen The Hobbit by Peter Jackson, he shot those in 3D in 48 frames per second. I think the first movie didn't quite get it right. I think I appreciated what was happening because it was something I hadn't seen before. I think they fixed it for parts two and three. I felt as though my screening, the motion sped up and slowed down. It looked very awkward, but I think they smoothed it out for for parts two and three. So this one, Billy Lynn's Halftime Walk, 
uh, the UHG release has it encoded at 60 frames per second. That's right. Um, and if I understand things correctly, I think I think he shot it at 120. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think there were a few screenings that actually previewed it at 120. But since the UHD format doesn't support anything higher than 60, I think um, that's as good as we're going to get, which is fine. Because let me tell you what, I've seen a lot in home theater, and I'm sure most of you listening have also seen it. But if you have not seen high frame rate done well, and this was done really well. Say what you want about the movie, but I'm telling you, when we were watching this at your place, when you showed it to me, I just could not believe what I was seeing because I was commenting on how the the action, the motion seemed surreal. Yeah, too real, right? Our buddy Dave was there, and I think either him or you said, you know, it's actually real. <laughs> you know, yeah. the 24 frames per second, that, that's more of like surreal because it's not natural. The, the higher frame rate looks more like real life. And I'm like, oh, that's a good point, actually. Right. Um, but it, the motion, it looks incredible. I, I really feel as though the industry is going to embrace this more and more. I don't think this is a gimmick. I think that I agree with the, the, the technical aspect of, of, of filmmaking and something that more resembles real life. It is unnatural for those of us who are used to that cinematic 24 frames per second. But if you just have an open mind and you just accept what you are seeing, it's just incredible. And I really hope James Cameron does not hold back and he gives us something in high frame rate with these uh, Avatar sequels. If he does that in 3D, in Atmos, I mean, we are really talking state-of-the-art you know, movie theater experience. So I felt as though that 60 frames per second was incredible. When you think about it, I mean, the, the costs go up uh, linearly with, with that because, you know, every frame of animation and every special effect has to get done to that many more frames. So that I think that's the one limiting factor now. But I, I think you're right. Eventually we'll get past it. I don't know if I would want it for every movie, but I definitely think that there is a category of of movies where it will fit well you know what i bet you i bet you i agree maybe not for every movie but let's just say they encoded everything at 60 okay you could tell your hardware at home hey you know what convert that 60 down to 24 like do a 24 frame conversion or or 48 frame conversion or, or something like that because that's that's what they did. That's how was it New Line, I guess, agreed to, to let Peter Jackson shoot at 48. They were like, okay, well, if you can give us a 24 that looks fine, then go ahead and shoot your 48. So sure, it's the math, uh, right? It could be <laughs> a personal preference. Yeah, yeah. It, it could just be like a personal preference. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Give them at 60. If they want to watch a 24, go ahead and make that setting. Uh, and it'll just be like a setting on the receiver you could do. So anyway, my number five is Punisher Warzone. This one came out, what was it, 2008, I think, directed by Lexi Alexander. This is a DTS 7.1 mix in 235. You know, one thing I wanted to mention is I usually watch movies at around minus 10 dB 
And for those of you who don't really know what that means, when you adjust the volume on your receiver or preamp, it usually offers you two different ways of doing that, two different scales. One is like the minus, uh, you know, you know the, the negative number designation in dB. The other is like a zero to 100 volume setting, okay? My understanding is that the, the, the negative number designation minus 10, and as you turn it up, the number actually decreases, is zero dB is reference level. When they're mixing the movie, they're listening to it at that level. So if you turn it all the way up to zero dB, you're listening to it at reference level. Um, usually when I'm watching movies, I, I generally keep it around the minus 10 dB because reference level is awfully loud, but it depends because there are releases that are mastered at higher levels than others and generally speaking minus 10 is a good ballpark but you know i've noticed that most of the marvel movies are at lowered master levels so i have to turn them up you know maybe to minus six minus four but then there are other movies that are mastered incredibly high which we'll get into here there's a couple on my list that you know i'm going i don't have to turn it up as much so anyway just to give you a frame of reference uh, Punisher Warzone, let's see, I just, I put that at minus 10. That's going to be pretty much my standard. Have you seen this movie, Sam? I'm sure that I did when it first came out, but I know for sure that I didn't see it in a high-quality theater like either of ours. I probably saw it on an early Blu-ray or a late DVD. Right, I mean, it's a, it's mostly a forgettable movie, but there's a heavy gunfire at the end. He's going through this abandoned hotel or something, and he's shooting all the bad guys. And there's a lot of gunplay. There's a lot of different types of guns he's using, lots of different sound effects there. But it does something that I have never seen before in any other movie, and it makes incredibly good use of the surround speakers. Like I said, this is in 7.1. You know, he, he shoots a bunch of guys and he, he, you know, he takes a moment to collect himself. And he, then he's like trying to, then all of a sudden it gets real quiet. And he starts listening to see if he can try to find out where the other bad guys are. So he's like oh, listening neat. and he's like tilting his head and he's like, it's real quiet. And so he kind of like clicks his jaw or like opens up his ear canal or something. And the sound, what you're hearing is essentially just ambient room noise. And he clicks his jaw or here kind of like pops his ear a little bit and the ambient you know, as if you were, you know, you get on a plane, you pop your ears, you know, that what a difference in sound that makes. It's it's doing that. So that ambient noise, it, it changes. And you're like, because he's adjusting how he's listening. And then all of a sudden, out of the out of the left surround speaker, or maybe the back surround, one of the surround speakers, you hear somebody like, you know, shuffle around or say something real quick. And then there's a sound effect. And that cues him in on exactly where he needs to go next. You know, it's just this one subtle moment. And it's just so awesome because it's, if there is ever an instance where surround effects, because he's looking where the sound is. And I'm like, that it's surround sound, but it's like, it's it's specific to the speaker. It's just incredible. Gotcha. Two things that come to mind on that. One is that there are 
a whole series of stereo recordings where they actually put the microphones where people's ears are. They call it like holosonic or hollow something type recordings. Have you listened to any of those? Well, by by the way you describe that, would that be a binaural? Recording? Binaural, that's the one. You got it. Yeah, have you heard any of those? Because that's what it sounds like what you're describing. You know, I don't think I have. I'm familiar with the recording technique, but I don't, I don't think I've actually listened to anything truly... Uh, recorded in binaural. Yeah, definitely check that out. Oh, for fuck's sake. Also, um, and I know this was a big hit in 7.1 when it first came out. Have you seen the film Shoot 'em Up? Because that does something very, very similar. Yeah. It actually pa- pans that gunfire around the room with the listener's position at, you know, as, as the, the main character is, you know, twisting and turning, running around with, with his entire arsenal. You know, I have that. I'm going to have to pop that in and watch it because I've only seen it once, but not in a home theater, just probably watching on TV or something. So thank you for reminding me about that. I'll, I'll have to go pop that in sometime soon. So let's move on. Sam, what is your number four? At number four, I've got something a little bit more mainstream, Kong Skull Islands. When Kong first appears, you may have seen in the trailer or on the commercial on TV where the one of the pilot or one of the guys in the back of the helicopter goes. Is that a monkey? The great thing about this scene in particular, other than Samuel L. Jackson hamming it up for sure, in the scene is just like what we were talking about with uh, your recommendation is this surround panning around you've got helicopters that are circling around kong and the perspective of both the camera and your ears are constantly circling in that you've got gunfire going off you've got helicopter winds you've got crashes occurring kong roaring it's a slow ramp up but they basically just came through a storm and think that they're through you know all the danger but the danger that they had just gone through is nothing compared to what they're gonna you know what they're about to see definitely it's a crowd pleaser if people come over and i can try to get them interested in the technical aspects of billy lynn but if i throw kong in i i know that they're going to be smiling because of all the, the the great surround effects kong um again this is this is dolby atmos in two three five i did i did minus ten that, sl- that slow ramp up that you were talking about, it- it's incredible. It's, it's, it's the slow motion with the sound kind of subdued and mixed, so you're really only hearing the low frequency effects, you know. Yeah. And it's got that helicopter, you know, the slow motion helicopter. Right? Exactly. It's just, it's great, cause, but it's got tremendous low end. Yep. Tremendous. So I agree. I mean, I, I think that was probably the highlight of the movie. For sure. It kind of peters out after that, too. Right, right. My number four is Baraka. 
Sam, have you heard of this movie? I have, and I've seen pieces of it, and Samsara, and what What are the, the first two that came before that? There were previous films made that were in the same style, of which I have not seen. I believe you can refer to them as the Katsi trilogy. Yeah, Koyanis um, Katsi, that's it. Koyanis Katsi. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to pick those up. I know that there's like maybe a Criterion like triple uh, Blu-ray release or something like that. So some mega box set that's got them all, got all three of them in there. I have it's on my list of things to get eventually. But it, but it's in that same same vein. I got the box here. Uh, I want to read to you just the back of the DVD just to kind of get people familiar in case they haven't seen this. Sure. But. Um, here on, the, here on the back of the Blu-ray, it says, In the pantheon of modern cinema, it remains one of the most unique and acclaimed motion picture events of our time. Shot in breathtaking 70 millimeter in 24 countries on six continents, Baraka is a transcendent global tour that explores the sights and sounds of the human condition like nothing you've ever seen or felt before. These are the wonders of a world without words, viewed through man and nature's own prisms of symmetry, savagery, chaos, and harmony. So basically, it's just a lot of extremely visually pleasing shots of the world, you know? There's no story. There's, there's no dialogue. It's just, it's, it's nature. You know, it's people just doing mundane things. It's people doing extraordinary things. It's explosions. It's it's just a lot of different stuff from all over the world, and it's got incredible music to it. It's really just an exploration of the world, but it it's like it was shot in 70 millimeter, so it is incredible. Uh, it's got a DTS 5.1 mix. It's actually framed at 2.21 to one, so it kind of opens up a little bit. It's not quite as wide as as 235, but and and I picked this one just because of its incredible visuals i'm more of a sound guy but but this one has got some just incredible shots that if you've never seen anything like this before i highly recommend it you know just put this on grab a drink this is this is not something that's like whiz bang it's just like oh my goodness like what am i watching here <laughs> just the slow it's like the earth breathing you know what i mean yeah. this is everything that happens on earth it's meant to be experienced rather than watched, right? And that, that's how the quads yeah, exactly. were for me. It's, uh, you know, just go with the flow and try to, you know, take it all in and learn a little bit more about our planet and see things that you ne wouldn't necessarily have seen in quite breathtaking detail. So I'm going to have to put that one on my list because I haven't seen it. I, I, yeah, and I've been meaning to get, what's the other one? Sam Sarah. I think it's the follow-up to this one. Yeah, that's you got Sam Sarah. Uh, Kronos and both of the Quatsis. They're all in that same... Yeah, Kronos, that's right. Right, I haven't seen that one either. Okay, let's move on. Sam, what is your number three? Where are you? Here they come again. Worming their way into the black matter of my brain. Help us, Max. You promised to help us. I tell myself... They cannot touch me. They are long dead. Okay, so you want to talk about 
crowd-pleasing. I had seen Mad Max Fury Road in the theater, and it was okay. I don't remember if I saw it in IMAX or anything like that. It wasn't really even on my radar to pick up when it was coming out on, you know, Blu-ray and 4K. But then I got one of the early Dolby Atmos demo discs, and it features the introduction of Fury Road with Mad Max along the side of the road, relieving himself, eating a, <laughs> a two-headed iguana or whatever that uh, little lizard is and then running from the bad guys and getting picked up. And man, I was absolutely hooked at getting Fury Road as best as I possibly could at home. And then the scenes that I've actually picked out besides Chapter 1 is, is Chapter 3. That's where Immortan Joe's thugs, as it were, start tracking down the escapees. And there's some at least 16 taiko drummers on the back of a flatbed, a guitarist playing a flaming guitar, wearing a gimp suit, and <laughs> it is just absolutely thunderous. And the visuals are just so absurd as to be just a huge smile inducer. Again, that's the type of thing that somebody might see on cable and say, yeah, it was an okay movie. But if you present that the way that George Miller and, and the rest of that crew had put every drop of blood and sweat into. Man, it is an experience like no other. This is in Dolby Atmos in 235. I think he picked up some good chapters here. The movie starts off, and it's got this narration. It's got these very subtle audio cues, like you said, yeah. the whispers. Disembodied voices. Yeah, in, in, in many cases, I think that's like the best way to demonstrate Atmos. Because, you know, when things quiet down, you kind of have to pay attention a little bit more. And you're like, oh my goodness, where's that sound coming from? You know, as opposed to like, oh, here's a giant explosion that's coming out of all the speakers. Like, yeah, okay. It's not really highlighting the locality of where the sound is coming from. But those whispers coming through and those subtle sounds contrasted with chapter three, where you have this car chase and the storm and the explosions and all that, that fantastic editing and the, yeah. there's some huge low end to all that. Those are definitely some great examples of how you can use Dolby Atmos. I don't think I really caught some of these effects the first time I watched it, but you know, in preparation for the show, I went back and examined those a little bit better, trying to pay attention to those quieter moments and just seeing how things were mixed when things started to get a little louder. You know, this is another one I just kept at that same minus 10 reference point for myself. That chase scene, man, it's incredible because, and this is one thing I wanted to mention here. I actually should have mentioned this before, but demo scenes, for the purposes of this show, when I was coming up with my list, I wasn't doing it under the pretense of what has someone seen, what hasn't someone seen, really. Because just imagine plopping someone down who hasn't seen any movie. We're judging these. I guess I wanted to come up with a list that was separate from whether or not someone has actually seen the movie. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think that I had some thought towards that, but I tend to focus on what is the format capable of, what is my room capable of, and then pair that with what's my personality versus guiding based on what the other person experiencing it. You know, I'm trying to share what I love about the format and about my theater. 
I think it helps when you know that you're showing something to someone that, you know, that they haven't seen before. But for some of these demos, it's like there are popular movies that people have seen before. But if they've only seen it on their TV with their soundbar, that's a whole lot different. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? And that's the reaction I get a lot. Right. Like, oh, I never heard that before. It's like when you watch it in a theater, presented in a way that the filmmakers wanted you to experience it with the surround sound and the big screen, it's a whole lot different. Ranger 2, prepare to detach. What? No! No! Cooper! Three. Cooper, what are you doing? Moon third law. They gotta leave something behind. Two. You told me we had enough resources for both of us. We agree to me. 90%. Interstellar. Man, what a great film. Directed by Christopher Nolan, DTS 5.1235, mixed in with some full-frame IMAX scenes. This was shot on film, so obviously it looks fantastic. The frame alternates between 235 and full IMAX format. I think it's it's either 185 or 178. I'm not exactly sure. You know, the difference between the two isn't that big, but it opens up to fill your screen, right? Shot on film, it looks incredible so so that's one reason why i demonstrated for people because you know things shot on film especially imax just have that extra polish to it that extra cinematic feel it's just an incredible visual sight to behold what i wanted to highlight in particular was the scene where matthew mcconaughey's character enters into that black hole towards the end because yes it looks good but this scene has the low end to end all low end going down. So much so, and, and this is kind of how I, I determine how loud I'm turning things up. Um, I only turned this one up to minus 14, okay? It, it's because I feel like my subs are going to blow out if I turn it up any more than that. <laughs> I think the sound effects and the dialogue are all at normal levels, but the subs crank so loud for so long. It's something that you're feeling just yeah, as much as you're hearing for such an extended period of time and some you know what i mean but for sure they're not overloading so, so that's so that's a good thing and i have i have a little video of this on youtube where i demoed this scene for my aunt and uncle one time and it was incredible and then I, I went back this was over christmas and i went back upstairs and my wife was like you know when you were watching that movie the christmas ornaments on the tree started shaking nice yeah, when you can feel it in the rest of the house, you know you're doing a good job. Put my video camera on a tripod next to the, the Christmas tree just to get them shaking a little bit. Like, I went down and played it. That's and then awesome. And went up and shot it. It was, uh, 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes if I remember. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with Christopher Nolan. I mean, things that he's come up with. I mean, not even starting to think about Batman. Dunkirk, uh, Interstellar, Inception. Yeah, I just, I just watched that when that came out on 4K. The guy knows how to film things in a big way, right? And I don't think there's anybody doing IMAX better than Christopher Nolan. And uh, I was really disappointed that uh, Dunkirk wasn't going to have an Atmos track. He is the master of putting those his movies in the surround format that he likes, and there's no arguing with it. Don't uh, particularly remember the, the Interstellar hum, but I'm going to have to go pull that one up myself and experience that again. It's it really is the the best base scene that uh, I could demo that I could think of to demo. But yeah, I mean Christopher Nolan, I think he he puts visuals ahead of sound, even though there's nothing really lacking in the sound department. He's mm-hmm. but he's not re- really pushing the envelope. You know, as as far as the mixes are concerned, like even getting into the seven point one, sure. You know, you know, little in Atmos. Dunkirk and Interstellar are both mastered very loud. I generally don't have to turn them up as much. In fact, like when we were demoing Dunkirk, I felt like, you know, you turn this up too loud, it starts feel, you know, sounding like the speakers are going to start cracking. <laughs> you know, yeah. overloading. It's just just cuz it's it's mastered at such a high level. I, I generally listen to everything at at the, the same level on my receiver, and unfortunately, I I've got the silly 0 to 100 uh scheme up. I'll have to look at changing it to, to the way that you recommend but it, it's pretty much stuck at 75 for everything and we definitely had to turn dunkirk down I, i'll probably have to do the same for interstellar sam what is your number two is everything okay i'm sorry sir but you need to get back to your car anybody hurt a couple of injuries but nothing serious Number two is Knowing, it's a Nicolas Cage movie, and at 38 minutes and 55 seconds, the Atmos surprises the viewer uh, with a plane crash that happens from ground perspective. Basically, the, the plane crash comes over your head and lands in a field not far from you. You can literally hear every turn of the engine, you can hear multiple explosions, People crying out from their place in the in the fuselage as it lands, crackle of the fire. Uh, it's just really, really emotionally gripping. It's one of the the most well-known things about the movie. The end of the movie had me scratching my head for days. I am more than happy to demo that two or three minutes from that plane crash. Anytime somebody says, "All right, I've only got a minute. What can you show me?" That is my go-to. Again, it's the same kind of thing. If you if you see that on a cable broadcast, you're watching it on a flat panel with you know maybe the speakers built into the flat panel, maybe a nice sound bar. You are not getting the full experience that is capable out of that movie. It's kind of a mystery movie with this huge action set piece right in the middle and a couple more at the end basically just comes from out of nowhere because it's so completely unexpected it's that much more memorable 
Yeah, I would agree. I've seen this movie once. I think that is definitely the standout moment in that film. It comes from out of nowhere. I think this film came out of nowhere. This film was better than I had anticipated it being, especially considering how Nicolas Cage has just been starring in a lot of schlock over the yeah. past decade. Now that's a hell of a ride out there. Is that yours? The Charger? I wish. Is it hers? Sure. But if you're looking for a ride... I don't really know if that's going to change, but I, I think this one is definitely a good one on his resume. This movie, it really goes there. You kind of just have to watch it. It doesn't really yeah. pull any punches. <laughs> and it, it, it doesn't really leave you feeling settled at the end of it. And I think yep. that it, it was a very brave choice. It's very brave of the filmmakers to fully commit. Is this an Atmos or is this a It is one? an Atmos on the 4K, yeah. Oh, no kidding. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. Because this came out a while ago, so they must have done a, a recent remix of that. Because yeah. what I was going to say was, if they didn't have an Atmos mix of this, say this was just a 5.1, right? You could, uh, I don't know if you've ever ex experimented with the Atmos upscale, you know, up conversion. I have not played with that at all. Generally speaking, I like to do encode things direct. Like, just give it to me. If it's 5.1, just give me 5.1. I don't want to monkey with it. But for something like that, especially with that plane crash, I mean, it's good it has the Atmos, so you don't have to do this, but if it didn't, it would be good to experiment with just to see, because with that plane crash, that, that would be perfect for the Atmos experience, for sure. I may actually try that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know. But I think just in general, that, that, that Atmos upmix, I think, you know, for some things that are in stereo, it, it's worth doing that. I don't play around with it too much, but it's handy to have. I haven't really tried to be a snob like that, but it's just worked out that almost everything that I've watched this year has been on an actual UHD disc. And I'm starting to watch a few more on the Apple TV, some of the consoles with the Atmos and the 4K encodes on them now. But hey, if you if you haven't seen the 4K for knowing, it's 17 bucks on Amazon right now. My, my 4K collection is growing slowly. I just I just need a 4K projector eventually. And yeah. you know, I'm, I'm happy you told me about that little trick with the xbox because because sometimes the atmos is only on the the uhd and not the blu-ray and i didn't know it at the time you had to point it out when you were over here you're like yeah we'll just put the uhd in the xbox because it'll downscale yeah uh, it to uh, 1080 but you then you yep. can get the atmos track and i'm like yep. oh wow are you serious and then you were like oh yeah it does 3d too and i'm like what yeah so yep. I, I had no idea that it did those things i was i didn't even know what my xbox did because i had yeah, a separate I mean player for those things yeah, I mean, I've I've got a $500 oppo, but again, I try not to be a snob with this stuff. The Xbox One X is an amazing UHD deck. I mean, I get some, that some people complain that there's not a real remote for it, but I don't care about that. It works uh, works great with uh with um, you know, the down conversion for those that don't have it. So right, just as you said, if you've got the disc, at least you can get the Atmos out of it even if not the 4K. Because I think this was one of the things that uh, Ron Epstein was talking about. Uh, studios are, are putting the Atmos on the uh, on the UHD and not the Blu-ray. So yes, I mean, I mean I'm I've sure definitely he probably knows this by now. Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of anger from people about it. Johnny, what's the fastest way back to Manhattan? We just need to stay on this road. If we can get to the maintenance hatch at the bottom of the hill, there's a sewer line 2.4 miles from here. Mike A, let him know up there. Come on in. 
My number two. The movie came out in 2014. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, sir. This one has the distinct advantage of being a movie that people probably haven't seen. You know, I get a big thrill out of, you know, showing something. Obviously, it has good sound and visuals, but in addition to them not having seen it before, and not only haven't they seen it before, but this scene in particular is something that people just generally haven't seen before, even those of us who have watched plenty of movies before. And the scene I'm talking about is the scene where the turtles, they get on a tractor trailer that goes down the side of a snowy mountain that lasts for like, you know, five, it's like a five minute chase down the snowy mountain, okay? Yeah, it's so just you, ridiculous. Yeah, you demoed this for me the last time I was at your place and it was literally the only time I've ever seen it, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just an incredible scene, just the mechanics of what you're watching because, you know, in some cases, or in most cases it's CGI, but in other cases, like there's actual vehicles and. It's, it's got some good slow motion in there. The editing is incredible. It's got a Dolby Atmos mix. It's not the best use of Atmos, but there's a good couple of uses of Atmos in, in which, you know, they're sliding down the hill and the tractor trailer is kind of sliding over top of them. And as it's doing that, you hear it above you. It's right back and forth. And it's got some tremendous low end. It's just the choreography of you just haven't seen it but it's something you have not seen before and right. it, in, in that way it, it's kind of like a perfect demo scene just because it's showing you stuff and you're hearing it and there's just so much you're just taking it all in and it, it's just so weird and bizarre but at the same time very compelling well that's the great thing about atmos from what i've found is that it has the ability to surprise you with what it's capable of whereas if you're listening to a surround movie yeah you're going to hear some things behind you and to the side maybe there'll be some pans and stuff like that but with the atmos i mean stuff can just come literally from anywhere in your room to anywhere else and there, there's nothing else like it. Yeah, I remember that scene, and I remember just how just how big a smile you had on your face to be demoing it, and I, I definitely enjoyed it. I haven't gone back to see the rest of the movie yet, but, but I do remember that that was a fun scene. You could probably skip the rest of the movie. However, they made a sequel to this movie, kind of equally as absurd, but it's got more turtle action in there. There's an incredible highway uh, chase sequence just a few more examples in there of just stuff you haven't seen before because it's ridiculous and absurd but it's fun you just cannot help but smile because of how fun it is so many of the other people in the hobby just want everything to be so serious man i'm i'm all in for stupid stuff that's done well and it's fun sign me up every time that's where i stand i'm willing to, to put up with an awful lot if whoever created it had a good time doing it Tell me, sir, what is your number one pick?
you were talking about being conscientious about whether people had seen something or not. And, and this is my favorite demo scene of all time. And I've been on board since day one of DVD coming out and, and a little bit before that. But I have to be careful about spoiling this movie. And it's War for the Planet of the Apes. And wouldn't you know it, there's an actual all-out war at the end of the movie. And it is one of the most compelling uses of surround sound and overhead sound and bass sound that I've ever experienced. And it's a one-two punch where the apes are escaping from a fortress inside a, a mountain. Spoiler alert, they do get out. And then just the entire thing collapses around them with an entirely different surround experience than what you've just been through. It's incredible. I, I know that there are tricks that the audio technicians used to multiply sounds, but you can literally pick out individual rocks and twigs and trees blowing around you. That just isn't possible in any other format that I haven't heard anything even remotely close to how well this is produced. Chapters 25 and 26, Caesar the Ape versus Woody Harrelson and his band, War for the Planet of the Ape, definitely gets my thumbs up for the best demo scene that I've ever had the, the fun of showing off in my home. It's, it's in Dolby Atmos, 235. I watched this at minus 10 directed by Matt Reeves. I think these movies had no right to be as good as they were. When we first heard that, oh, they're redoing Planet of the Apes, we're like, oh, you know. Like, Again? Need this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, need especially this. since the one that was, what, five years before, it was just so bad. All right, the Tim Burton, right, Marky Mark. Yeah. Right, I mean, that's kind of like what, what we were probably expecting, something along those lines. I mean, that movie, it, it was fine-ish, but... <laughs> <laughs> wasn't my favorite so when this new trilogy came out with Andy Serkis in there and the first one I think it was directed by what Rupert Wyatt I think um, I don't know it was it was it was a good movie and I'm like oh wow it's 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 an intelligent well written well acted the CGI was incredible right they, I mean they had to make apes believable and not silly and I think they achieved that. And so then when they hired Matt Reeves to do the second one, it got better. I mean, like, oh my goodness, like this is, and the screenwriting was incredible. It's a married couple, um, Silver and Jaffa, I forget their full names, but they write very well. And I think James Cameron actually hired them to take part in the script writing for his Avatar sequels. Oh, nice. Uh, which is great because they're fantastic writers. So then you have Matt Reeves coming in to direct number two and number three here. Again, these movies just had no right to be as good as they were. With the second one with Gary Oldman, it's just incredibly well acted. In addition to like, the good filmmaking you're seeing, it's got fantastic editing, great sound design, and, and those scenes in particular had some, again, incredible low end. It's got the slow motion. Anytime you get slow motion, it's, it's great. I, I love the slow motion, and especially when you have the slow motion and they bring down the sound. You're just kind of like hearing everything, all the action happened in the background and the music's kind of coming in, fading in and everything's slowing down for a minute. So you can kind of like really intently listen to what's happening. You know, it, it's just, it's incredible filmmaking. It's one of those rare series where the third one is just head and shoulders above the first two, right? I mean, on the forum, we talk a lot about, you know, sequels not matching up to the originals. And I think this is one of those rare third part of a trilogy that just stands head and shoulders so far beyond 
the first two, which were which were great films. Don't don't get me wrong. I I very much enjoyed them. I saw them all theatrically. I have them all on disc here. But the third just has so much to say philosophically, and then you know adding the action on top of it just really sets it so far apart for me. So Matt Reeves, I believe he is developing the next Batman movie. Oh, nice. It's been through a number of different script rewrites, and as of this recording, I think they're finalizing the draft that they're happy with at this point. So if he applies the same quality of filmmaking to the next Batman movie as he's done with these two ape films, then I think we have nothing to worry about. He's shown to be a very competent director. You know, I think the X Factor is who they're going to have playing Batman. I don't know if it's going to be Ben Affleck again or it's going to be somebody else. I I don't think anybody knows at this point. But I think that if the film is in his capable hands and the studio just stays out of it, then I think we'll end up with something really good. Again, I'm not as familiar with him as a director as I am with the film itself. So if he was the the lead on the last two, I'm, I'm all in for whatever he does next. So my number one, Transformers Age of Extinction. Now, these Michael Bay Transformers movies are simply god-awful. 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 Okay. (laughs) Hi, I'm Michael Bay, and I demand things to be awesome. (laughs) They do look pretty, though. They look and sound incredible and that's the thing about home theater and appreciation of film is that there are different things for different people and you know for guys like you and me we will take a billy lynn with the transformers because we're we're appreciating it for different things right absolutely we like our popcorn movies and we also like our movies that we can sit and think and drink wine to and things like that transformers age of extinction There are a few different things I want to highlight about this because it really checks off a lot of boxes. Number one, the scene I'd like to talk about in particular is towards the end of the movie, you got the alien spaceship that comes down and just starts sucking everything up, right? All the metal and all the robots, Mm -hmm. it just sucks everything up and then it just drops it all over the place. So there's just all this chaos, okay? It's something you haven't seen before. I remember demoing this for my aunt and uncle over Christmas one time, and my my aunt was just laughing hysterically because this is nothing she's ever seen before, and it's just silly Michael Bay ridiculousness happening on screen. You haven't seen this before, and that's 
one thing Michael Bay will give you. He will give you a movie and show you stuff you have not seen before. And in that respect, this scene is the closest thing to a Universal Studios ride yeah. that you'll ever get in the home. Okay, so let's take a look at this movie. It's got a Dolby Atmos mix, and this is one incredible Dolby Atmos mix, okay? It was loud enough at minus 10, but just simply because of the sound design and the sound effects, I cranked this up to minus six, just because I really wanted that extra crunch on the end of it there, especially that sound effect with the alien ship sucking everything up. That's just this really weird low-end buzzing sound effect that's just incredible to listen to. Sounds like electronics music or something. I'm Michael Bay. This also has alternating uh, aspect ratios, uh, switching from 235 to, I think, 1.9. It doesn't quite open up to the full 178, but it does open up a little bit. I'm not sure if this was shot on film or digital, but they were promoting this as an IMAX experience. It's also a 3D film. So you have the Atmos, you got the shifting aspect ratios in 3D, in IMAX, with this incredible sound that's got some tremendous low end to it, showing you stuff that you haven't seen before, it, it's incredible. It's just simply incredible. And it's absolutely absurd at the same time. So if I remember right, is that also the same scene where they get chased by like the corkscrew of a boat engine at the end? I remember there's a tugboat uh, that, right, that they yeah. lifted up in the air and dropped in the city yeah. and like a giant propeller. Yeah, the propeller, that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, it fell down and like bounced Clanks. over the car and it's happening in slow motion. Did the ship sound effect make such good use of those Dolby Atmos ceiling speakers? Because yes. you're hearing it right above your head like the ship is like right above you, you know? Yes. It's like perfect. You cannot not hear it. Right. And it's pulsing, right? It's pulling in one sense and then starts pushing back again. It, it's awesome that way. Yes. <laughs> right. You're right, it's perfect as a demo scene, but two hours for it can be a little exhausting. Oh, God. Yeah, it's like they're two and a half hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's about as much as the, as much of a Transformers movie as like, people are usually willing to take. They just right. give you way too much of that. Exactly. Um, so by the end of it, you're thinking, oh, God, I just want to go home and detox because exactly. it's so terrible. What in the hell was that all about? Oh. Yeah. And then they made another one. <laughs> <laughs> I think as long as there's money to be made, we're going to see more and more Transformers coming out. So at least we'll get some good demo material out of it, if nothing else. For sure. So we've been through our top five. I know we both have a list of honorable mentions that we yes. want to talk about. And I'm not really sure if I've ranked any of mine, but, uh, you know, why don't we just go through them and just talk about them a little bit.
Hacksaw Ridge at the top of the hill. The big guns and the first encounter with the enemy, Chapter 9. Definitely, if you have not seen Hacksaw Ridge, it takes about 45 minutes before they get to any of the action. It's a character study for most of the movie. I'm sorry, it's actually an hour and eight minutes in Chapter 9 when our hero starts rescuing soldiers at the top of the hill. It is incredible. I've seen this movie. I've seen it once. It was it was great. I mean, Mel Gibson, you know, he directs serious movies. He directs intense, intensely violent movies. He doesn't hold back, which is great. It's a true story, too, so it was an incredible film. I didn't get a chance to re-watch any of these scenes for this episode, but, I mean, I, do, I did watch it recently, so I kind of remember. Incredibly well-executed sound design and editing, for sure. Heat? Oh, yeah. Classic. Yeah, written and directed by Michael Mann. In particular, the heist scene. It's got that incredible music cue. This one I had to turn up quite a bit, all the way up to reference, all the way up to zero. I guess it was mastered at a, at a lower level. There's very little low end. It's really just a lot of gunplay and, and such. But this was in 235, Dolby 5.1. Why I picked this one out is that incredible high scene and, and you know the escape, just the shootout in the street. It's got that realistic gunfire. Right. You know, it's not Hollywood movie gunfire. It's just that realistic gunfire that echoes in the city streets. There was a, a, a recent version of it came out late last year that I picked up, and so I'm, I'm waiting to watch that one. Talking about big, dumb robot versus um, monster movies, you can't go wrong with Pacific Rim. Anytime the Jaegers are up against the Kaijus, chapters 2 and 10, Dolby Atmos, you have your choice. You can see it in 3D or in 4K, but not both. <laughs> and uh, no. and I, I absolutely adore the first Pacific Rim. The second one didn't quite rise up for me, but the first one, I know it gets a lot of heat from people, but I am all in on Guillermo del Toro. I'm all in on Jaegers. I'm all in on Kaiju. You make that movie, and I will be at every single one of them for the rest of my life. Yeah, uh, definitely down with del Toro. Um, I, I really enjoy Pacific Rim for as dumb as it was on a script writing uh, level. I did the visuals. The monster design, the creature, the creature design is you know kind of what he's known for. It, it had some great action sequences you, you could follow very easily, and the sound was great. I would love to see that in UHD for sure. I only have that on Blu-ray because it had a lot of that visual pop to it. You know, like yeah. the, the, the that scene in the city at night where all the with all yeah. The I have it on 4K, and I would definitely prefer that over the 3D. I'm not done with 3D, but I'm not as freaked out about it going away as many of our fellow Home Theater Forum folks are. I'd like to have both. I'd like to have 4K and 3D, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. So the 4K of uh, UHD of Pacific Rim is definitely one of my favorite discs.
let's talk about 3D for a minute because this is another divisive issue sure. for people. I think that... Maybe we can get our first hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I feel like 3D, the potential to produce movies in 3D is still there. I feel like people are too quick to claim that it is over and done with. I don't know why there's such a rush to declare something is dead. Like, people say, oh, the CD is dead. Well, they've been saying that for 10 years now. Like, you can still go buy CDs. In fact, I still do. That's besides the fact. But I want to point out I have two honorable mentions here, and they are 3D releases. Number one, I got to give credit for Ron Epstein for turning me on to this one. It's called 3D Rarities. Read from the, uh, the back of the box here. 3D Rarities, a collection of 22 ultra-rare and stunningly restored 3D films. Is that one of the ones produced by Bob from the home theater forum name bob Fermanek. yes Fermanek. Yes. yeah that's it yep selections include kelly's plasticon pictures the earliest extent 3d demonstration film from 1922 yeah with incredible footage of washington and new york city another selection here new dimensions the first domestic full color 3d film originally shown at the world's fair in 1940 i'm i'm not kidding here folks it's got incredibly old film that was shot in 3d and you just have to see it there's there's nothing in particular i want to highlight i haven't seen the entire thing i've I've probably watched the first like 40 minutes of it or so but just how it opens you're watching stuff from the from the early part of the 20th century here in black and white when the world was just a different place and they shot stuff in 3d and people you know they dress different the world just looks different and it's just incredible to watch. And I think what Ron's interest was in, in this release was that this is 3D that is coming out of the screen like we remember it doing years ago. You know, a lot of the 3D releases are kind of like depth into the screen. This right. one actually has stuff that really feels like it's popping off the screen at you. Like we yes. all remember us, those of us, you know, old enough to remember what 3D used to be. Like remember Captain EO? <laughs> Yeah. With Michael Jackson. I don't know if you ever, ever got a chance to see that. Sure. But like when you were a kid, it's just you, you're reaching up towards the screen because it feels like it's right in front of your face. This gets as close to that experience as, as I, I've ever seen at home. In addition to it just being this just rare old stuff, like you're not even sure what it is, but it's just it doesn't matter what it is because it's just so it's something you haven't seen before. Yeah, so Bob had demonstrated that to us at the last home theater forum trip to California to visit the studios. And boy, man, I wish we could get one of those going again today, but it doesn't sound like that's going to be in the cards anytime soon. But uh, we got to meet Bob, and he was really hyped up on that stuff. You know, turned it into a commercial release. So I've never actually picked up a copy, but uh, definitely going to add that to my Amazon wish list and see if we can get get to check that out based on your recommendation. Oh, I I love it, and I can't wait to finish it. Let me mention one more 3D release that I have, and it's Sin City 2. Metal screams. Something hits me square in the chest. There's no up or down. I don't weigh a thing. A Dame uh, yeah. to Kill For. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, have you seen this one? 
I have. I don't know if I saw it in 3D. I definitely saw it in 3D in the theater, but I don't know if I saw it in 3D at, at home. Written and directed by uh, Robert Rodriguez. This is a DTS 5.1 mix, and this is in 185. And let me tell you what. I love me some 185, and we're going to have a whole show about this later. Believe yes. you me. Okay, 185 is my favorite aspect ratio. Okay, and this is 3D done right. This is a cross between live action and animation. If you're into that whole Sin City thing, I think the first one was very successful. The second one, not so much, but I still very much enjoyed it. It's a movie for adults. Just right off the bat, got Marv. And he's just bringing you into the world. It's got the snow effects. Looks sort of animated parts, but, you know, that's just the Sin City world. It's taking that comic book, that graphic novel, look, and doing the best job I've ever seen of putting that to film. It's bringing you into the world. It's got the narration, the voiceover work, and he's going on his little, uh, you know, he's kind of describing what... (laughs) What he's going through and doing his little uh, detective work, I guess, and just he's bringing the audience into into the story, while at the same time the film is showing you the full potential of what the 3D filmmaking is, is all about. So the visual effects are incredible. Yeah, I mean it's definitely one of my favorites. I, I certainly enjoyed the first one better than the second one. But uh, I'm going to have to see if I can fire that up in 3D. I think you've cost me about 60 bucks so far tonight. So we'll add add that one to the list, too. (laughs) You're talking about Robert Rodriguez. Uh, Let's kick it back to the original DVD, Desperado. Let's play. That is how I got into the hobby. Desperado was the first DVD that I bought. I will tell you that I saw Guitar Fighter Showdown chapter. I've seen it over 60 times throughout the years. You know, it still holds up today. Maybe maybe not in the Dolby Atmos world. Man, that is a fun fight that they did on the cheap. It is just picture perfect from the first second that scene starts. I will treasure that movie forever. Just for getting me into the hobby. I think I've seen the movie once, and I'm long overdue for seeing it again. Desperado is probably one of those universally agreed upon movies that everyone appreciates from Rodriguez. He's had some divisive films later on, but I've generally been a fan of his, for sure. I I just like the aesthetic, man. He's a can-do guy. Don't care what it's going to cost. We can do it cheap. We can do it good. We're going to turn it around fast and make it work for you. I I think that's a rare quality. He's not shy about telling you how he did things in the behind the scenes. You know, those five-minute film schools were classics you know, in the DVD era, and he's continued on with those kinds of uh, pep talks throughout the years. So I really appreciate that. I really like Planet Terror, part of that grindhouse thing you did with sure, yeah. Tarantino. So what I'm asking is that we compensate you for a few hours of your time that will help change people's lives. Are you bringing in any weapons? Of course not. You're not changing anything. Now 
another one on my list, Rambo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fourth okay. entry to the series. It came out, what, 2008, directed by Sylvester Stallone. Yep. This was a DTS 7.1 release in 235. That the heavy gunfire, the gunfight at the end of the movie, it's just got, it's just like, you know, five minutes of just Sylvester Stallone liquefying these dudes, <laughs> right? I know I've seen it, but it I can't picture it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and there's bones just breaking blood going everywhere and it just doesn't stop i remember watching in the movie theater i'm like oh my god it's it's doing this i'm seeing this they've made this movie nice i turned this one up to minus five just because i just wanted that little extra oomph i probably didn't Mm -hmm. need to but that heavy gunfire it's got some good low end Especially with the bass shakers. I don't know if you have bass shakers at your place. I don't. I wish I did. Because they really, it's good for gunfire. You know, pistols, anything. Just because there's some low end there with more of an immediate attack versus like a low sustained kind of sound effect that the bass shakers will give you an impact versus a sound uh, and just especially those larger guns. So what else you got? Fury, Chapter 4. Again, can't go wrong with tank battles. Chapter 4 is the one in the vineyard. Guys hiding behind a tank as it's rolling across at other tanks shooting at them. And from what I understand, it's a actual legitimate strategy that things that our dismounted soldiers would sometimes do. I wouldn't want to be within 10 miles of that place. Fury, I think, was a a little bit of an underrated movie. I loved it from start to finish. And there's three or four major battles throughout it. Town Siege, there's the the end fight where they're last man standing type deal. Chapter four gets my thumbs up. And he takes first left. This is Sparta! Three hundred. Directed by Zack oh, Snyder. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, this is Dolby 5.1, 235. You know, we've all seen 300. It's great. It's probably overplayed at this point. But, I mean, that scene where you've got Leonidas just in slow motion, just taking out all those guys, and it's yep. got the camera going this way and that, and the choreography, and there's nothing else like it. Right. So you're watching it, and you're like, I've never seen anything like this before. Yes. I remember watching it with my dad, and he, he was calling it like visual poetry, and just choreography is just incredible. And there's not a whole lot of sound effects to it. It's really more of like for that visual flair, because the sound is kind of subdued, and it's really heavily reliant on more of the, the visual aesthetics. I like that so much, I went out and bought the graphic novel of the 300, that they really captured that visual style that the comics had. Not only just the visual style, but the guts of it, what they were really going for in that comic, and, that, and that's rare.
Baby Driver, opening scene, best use of music ever in a movie. Dolby Atmos, can't beat it. <laughs> got a bank robbery, you got car chases, you've got car escape choreography, and you even got a relatively unknown lead character who shows you what he's got. Dance moves, he's got driving moves, he's got it together enough to be a leading man. Just what an absolute find. Is this uh, another UHD for you? Oh yes, day one for me. Ah, okay, because I only have this on Blu-ray, so all I have is the DTS 5.1 mix. Oh, uh, okay. That would have been incredible to hear this in Atmos, for sure. Come on up. <laughs> Yeah, this is D uh, I, I had this DTS 5.1. This is, yeah. I think, pretty much most of these, except from the three or four I mentioned, are in 235. <laughs> We're going to have to get into 235 another day. Yes. But the, the low end, the shotguns at the beginning. Yes, in the incredible. back. incredible. The, the car yeah. effects. You yeah. know, this has an incredibly well-choreographed car chase. Yes. Um, it's hip. You know, I'm not really too into the music selection. It's kind of this offbeat quirky i'm not sure you know I, I don't know what it is but it, it, not really something for me but i think that what they were going for is just hey this is fun yeah. this isn't meant to be taken too seriously yeah. what what it is is a peek inside edgar wright's brain and i'm all in for that too <laughs> edgar wright i i loved his what's it, the cornetto trilogy yes yes i love those for sure I thought Baby Driver was fun. I'm not sure if we need another one. Oh, is, is there rumors of it? I think so. I, I'd rather see him do something else because mm. he, he's a good talent. God, they were talking about, before they made the announcement, they were talking about him for the next Bond. Oh, really? That didn't pan out because they hired uh, Kerry Fukunaga. Yes, yeah, from True Detective. I'm all in for that, too. Another one I had on my list, The Matrix. Oh, yeah. Directed by the Wachowskis, as we, as we know. This scene in particular, of course, you pick out many scenes from this movie, but the lobby shootout. Yes. Uh, this is in Dolby 5.1, I turned this up to minus four. Sometimes I turn it up out of necessity, like for heat. That was a low master. I think Matrix was probably a low master, too. I probably turned that up just because it wasn't mastered as high. It's got everything. It's got the electronic score the bass you know just kicks in the slow motion the choreography you know it all wraps up with the slow motion bullet time keanu reeves yes. dodging bullets none of which we have ever seen in 1999 when this came yep. out coolest costumes <laughs> you know what i mean it's just yep. like in the action it's just of course this scene is probably played to death but there's a reason i mean you just say matrix lobby shootout everyone knows what you're talking yeah. about 100%. I mean, it was remade in four video games. It's been parodied. It's been around the world and back. talk about classic scenes let's talk about the diva from the fifth element chapter 13 opera versus gunplay just the opening with an operatic aria inside a very airy 
stage, and that gets contrasted with Lilu against the bad guys with guns and grunts and aliens, and that is just a, an absolute classic, and it's now out on 4K UHD, and it's never sounded better. Just look at the effects. I don't think anything looks dated. I don't think anything nope. looks like it's overtly CG that's Phantom Menace disgusting at this point. Who's the director of this? Yeah, Luc Besson. Oh, right, Luc Besson. And back when Bruce Willis actually gave a shit about <laughs> acting. Yes. I love, I think I watched it about it a year or two ago and just, I, I have it on Blu-ray, but God, I can't imagine what that must look like in UHD. It's not a huge upgrade, but it's worth investing in if you get an extra couple bucks. Remember back in the day when we didn't have HD and all we had were like the Superbit DVDs? Remember they were, and, and this was like the best looking yes. DVD ever because it was on Superbit. Yep. <laughs> And we were all, like, living in fear, like, we're never going to get HD. This is the best <laughs> it's ever going to get. And yeah, that, that see, was, like, the gold standard, right? There's always something better coming down. We've seen whisperings of 8K TVs now. I do want to give a shout-out to the Atmos demo discs that have two surround-only tracks. They're, they're basically just a couple title cards. And those are uh, Santeria and The Encounter. And if anybody's uh, thinking about getting into Atmos, all you got to do is pop those in for 45 seconds, and I can sell $15,000 or more worth of Atmos speakers uh, with just those two tracks. The encounter reminded me of, I don't know if you've ever been to, uh, I think it's Disney World. Disney World actually had a ride or an attraction called Alien Encounter. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. It reminded me of that where there's like, a, you go into a room and there's an alien and then all of a sudden he goes missing and starts running around. And yes. A lot of the same kind of experiences. They reskinned that with Lilo and Stitch. What? Have you been there for that? They reskinned it with Lilo and no. Stitch. So instead of an alien now, it's Stitch oh running around you. Oh, well, that totally changes it. <laughs> the fact that it was scary, that doesn't sound scary. No, no, but it's good oh, for kids. My goodness. Uh, okay. The Dolby Atmos, I think the one that impressed me the most was called Audiosphere. Yes, yeah. It's a demonstration of Atmos, but it's like, you ever watch those DVDs called Anna Music? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a scaled down, simplified version of that, where it's mm -hmm. showing you where the sound is and how it's being played, and it makes great use of the ceiling speakers, especially. Yes. It's very simple, bing bong, bing bong, bing bong, you know, that sort of thing, like an electronic xylophone or something. Yep. It's only like, what, 60 seconds long, a lot of these are. If that, yeah. But I think that is like very effective. Yeah, it's like very effective, like, hey, I have Dolby Atmos. What is Dolby Atmos? Here's Dolby Atmos, yeah. right? Then you you show this people, boom, they get it, you know? Yep. The other one on there, I think we originally both heard at uh, Dolby headquarters in New York was the helicopter. Yes. A helicopter going um, <laughs> around in a circle above yep. your head. 
Yeah. And and that's like the one thing. There's a certain benchmark for trying to think about what sound coming from above your head would sound like. Because what do you think about? Like, what could possibly be coming from above your head? Like when you're watching a movie, what do you think? Oh, a helicopter, obviously. Yeah. Gets right to it. Boom. 360 helicopter right above your head. And it's just going around in a circle. So you can localize it very easily. Yeah, like I said, you could point at it with a laser pointer. Yeah, there you go. Similar to that is the 737 demo on the same disc. That just rushes right. through yeah. your whole body from front to back. I, I dig that. You know, when we saw it at Dolby, I mean, they had 10 ceiling speakers. Yes. Uh, at least. We watched Star Trek Into Darkness. Yes. Uh, mixed for, for Dolby Atmos. And I just remember when the ship went through a tunnel or it felt like we were going through a tunnel or something. I forget exactly what the scene was, but you could the sound was coming from the front of the room to the back of the room, but it was yes. also it was coming over your head like a ship flying over your head or like something going over your head. Yeah, and if I remember right, there's like a, a scene with a spears getting thrown over your head. Well, all right, man. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's... Thanks, everybody, for listening. This was a great first episode, I think, and, and Sam and I have a ton of ideas about what to get into next. We're very eager to hear all of your feedback. Sam, any parting thoughts? When we get our first batch of listeners, I'm certainly interested in hearing what their favorite demo scenes are, maybe some things we haven't even considered. Oh, my gosh, yeah, I, I know. I'm sure people are going to be saying, like, why did you think of this one? Yeah. Or that well, I one. I could be here all day. Uh, I know, but that's the thing about demo scenes is that it's a personal choice. I mean, this you pointed out at the top of the show, you came up with a list that was different than mine. There, was, there wasn't any overlap, and that's great that that happens because when I was going through your list, I'm like, oh, yeah, man, I'm so glad you picked out Billy Lynn. I'm so yep. glad you picked out Knowing. These are movies that obviously demonstrate something that you don't see in other movies. And I'm happy that I at least got the chance to, to demo Billy Lynn up at your place because I don't have that here. It might, it's going to be a while before I get high frame rate. Well, you're always welcome to come up here for any other demo days, so come on by. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, one last thing. Let's give a big shout-out to the owners at Home Theater Forum. Those guys have been very supportive of this, and we very much appreciate them lending their name to it, and we hope to do them proud. Yes, sir. Good point. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you. See you next time. 